Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. On this episode, we're asking T-Bone your questions. You can submit at www.asktbone.com. So on today's episode of Question and Answers with T-Bone, we have a couple of doctors who have sent us in messages. So are you ready to get started? I can't. These are like, I love these episodes because it takes all the pressure off of me. I don't have to come up with content. I can ramble on. I get to hear myself talk. I don't really have to prepare. So if people can submit more questions, it'd make me so happy. www.asktbone.com. Send your questions in. All right. Let's get hundreds of them. Yeah. And I have not read him these questions before we get started also. (laughs) So let's get started from Dr. Smith. He is a first year practice owner. That's such a generic name. Okay. Dr. Glennell Smith. Okay. He is a first year practice owner and have been following your podcast for the last year. I'm interested in learning more and what courses do I need to take to evolve my practice into delivering emotional dentistry that you speak of. I did a GPR and did implant placement there, but it was a while ago. What CE journey do you recommend? Well, Glenel, that's a loaded question, I think, (laughs) right? Um, Part of the challenge in a question like that is I, I would love to have a conversation with Glennell yeah. to understand, you know, to get that clarity. And I think we've talked about that in some previous episodes where we talked about getting clarity. And the first thing I would tell Glennell to do is to figure out who Glennell is and who Glennell wants to be and how long Glennell is realistically willing to take to get there. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be a lot of things, right. but I know that I want to be an astronaut. But let's be realistic. <laughs> but I also know that I got to probably right. lose about 160 yeah. pounds before I'm ready to be an astronaut. You know, so, and that's not going to happen in three months. Right. right? <laughs> so I think the first and most important thing for Glennell to do is to get clarity about who he or she is and what they're wanting to do. I'm assuming it's he. Okay? Yes. So that's the first and most important thing. The second thing to do is, and, and Glennell's asking the right questions here, is, is know that you just don't know much. You know, right. dental school gets you about six months of real-world education, and maybe a GPR, a training program, gets you another six to nine months of real-world education. So I think, you know, that's that. You know, you got to learn, and that's why uh, he's asking the questions. you got to know what to do, Okay. Okay, so I'm going to step back and walk through my journey and what I wish I did differently. Okay? Yeah, I think that'd be a great place to yeah, start. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, I knew that coming out of dental school, I wanted to do cosmetic dentistry. It was the fancy, it's like implant dentistry today. Right. I mean, it was the buzzword, it was the hot thing, porcelain veneers, this and that, no insurance. That was the buzz in 1999. I think so, it still is a little bit. A, a little bit. I think bit. people getting out, they still want to do that. You know, and uh, so I knew I wanted to do that. Yeah. So. 
I set aside a budget. Uh, that was my graduation gift from my parents, and I wanted to take education. So I sought out, and I went to see uh, Bill Dickerson at LVI, Las Vegas Institute, and I took cosmetic courses there. I took some cosmetic courses from Ross Nash in Charlotte, North Carolina. I attended some lectures by Larry Rosenthal, who's of Appa Rosenthal in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I got a good feel for what's going on. I went and saw and heard these speakers, and then I made the decision that I wanted to follow or become a disciple, in a sense, of Bill Dickerson and what he was doing in, at LVI at the time. So then I went and invested bigger into their training program. And the first class I took there was his porcelain veneers class. It was a two weekend live patient, six days, and it's like jumping off the deep end, yeah. okay? Um, and I would probably say today, that's probably not what I would tell somebody right out of school to do. I would tell you that um, it worked great for me and it's a fantastic way to go. But I think in today's world, you can learn a little bit more uh, by jumping in a little bit smaller, maybe a two-day program, maybe an over-the-shoulder program where you're watching somebody do it and making sure it's right for you. And then from there, I kind of continued on that cosmetic journey. But what I found was that I was learning a lot of clinical dentistry, but I wasn't learning the soft side of dentistry, which is patient communication and, 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 and you know, the emotional aspect of communicating with patients and connecting with people. And that's when I turned to or met uh, uh, Paul Homily. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul has been instrumental in my career. Uh, so much of what I talk about and train on today is built around his soft skills, which were patient fit, choice dialogue, you know, uh, right side versus left side dentistry. And understanding that when a patient comes in as a general dentist, general dental patient, they're looking for a certain thing. But when a patient comes in and they have complex problems, you need to not treat them differently, but you need to workflow them differently. Right. You need to put them through phase the practice. Them. you got to phase them or you gotta, you got to have a greater set of communication skills. Right. So right. I think that is the area where people simply aren't doing enough. You know, I just got a text from one of our mastermind students that says, you know, what do we do in this downtime? I was like, right. oh man, improve your photography skills. Get in front of the mirror and practice communication. And, and his or her response to me was, I've got the photography and communication skills down. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. You, you can't. Right. It, it, it never stops. And to me, that's, that's one thing that I missed out on. Now, one thing I did well at the time was I took all my team members to these training programs. Now, of course, none of those team members are with me today, <laughs> but it taught me and allowed me to see the importance of having team members involved in right. all of this. So I would say that you got to define who it is you are going to be, what type of dentistry you want to do, and then you've got to find who you're going to listen to. Maybe it's someone like me. Maybe you want to be a, a you know, follower T-bone and, and do some implants and sleep and ortho and communication skills. I, I like to think we have a lot to offer people. But maybe you want to be a spear person. Maybe you want to be a coist person. Maybe you want to be a panky person. And you've got to figure out who it is you want to be by going and attending the different, you know, programs yeah. that are in minimal cost uh -huh. to see if they, if they fit with you. Your culture. Absolutely. Yeah. But along the way, still learn two things. Learn the soft skills of how to communicate with patients and to learn the team leadership skills. Uh, the other thing I would point out in this particular case is have a defined path. Okay, and by that I mean, don't be jumping like, oh, I'm going to learn implants this month and then cosmetics this month and this, you know, maybe this quarter. Pick one thing. Pick one thing for the year and say, I'm going to implement this 
And because what happens oftentimes is we learn too many different things and then we go back and we struggle to implement all of it. It's overwhelming. Overwhelm our team, right? Right. It's overwhelming to us. It's certainly overwhelming to our team and it's overwhelming to the business of our practice. So you got to maintain that day-to-day practice and then just pick one thing per year. Now you can go very deep in that one thing, but pick one thing per year, conquer it, okay, at a certain level, and then move on to the next thing. And that, I think, was one of my keys to success is that I was choosing one thing per year. Like one thing, one year may have been just learn how to do endo right. and learn how to do it well. So it could be as simple as something like that. So hopefully I answered Glenelg's question pretty yeah. well there. And I just have one question for you. When yeah. you were um, taking all this CE and stuff, did you have a mentor like you've been able to offer for so many? You know, uh, yes and no. I think... Um, I didn't have a physical mentor, mm-hmm. so I didn't have somebody that in my local area that I was close friends with, but we live in a world now where we're virtual, okay? Right. You know, at the time, in the early 2000s... You had to I, call each other I, on the phone, no, on your we, home phone. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we wasn't that long ago, uh, but we had we had Dental Town at the time, okay. and so Dental Town was so influential in my mm-hmm. career because it allowed me to connect with people who were trying to practice the way I was practicing, yeah. and today we have Facebook, sorry, Facebook, and InstaFamous, yeah. <laughs> and fake book groups and all of these things but 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 back to that point you can't cloud your mind with so many things from different people right you got to pick you got to pick a path right okay now along that path you listen and learn from others as well but you got to pick a path and go in you can't say oh i'm going to take this from here this from here because they don't always mix together and actually produce like onions on their own are good, right. right? Jalapenos on their own are good. Maybe onions and jalapenos together aren't so good, right? <laughs> right. So um, you got to be a little bit careful of that. Okay. So for the CE journey that's recommended by T-Bone, he talked a little bit about his own journey and where that went and what, what he wished he had. Um, so let's keep moving forward. Dr. Nitesh writes, we are in the process of setting payment plans up in our office and wanted to see what the pitfalls were when you started, what worked and what didn't work. For instance, how are you financing larger cases? Let's say 3000 and up. Are you doing it all in-house or, and for what length of time are you doing it interest-free? Thanks in, in advance for your help. And I will have to say that this is probably the most popular question. Sometimes people just email me and ask questions, yeah. and this is probably the most popular one. Absolutely. I think payment plans are probably the, one of the things I talk the most about. Right. Um, and it's one of the things that I get the most irritated by people with. And not because they ask the questions, because yeah. they don't hear out the answer. Mm-hmm. The answer is not simple, okay? It's not complicated, right. but it's not simple. And doing what I do isn't the answer for you, right. okay? So l- let's, let's, let's unpack this. This okay. might be a little bit yeah. of a long one, okay? Uh, but let's unpack this. Let's unpack uh, how we implement payment plans, okay? okay. So l- let's start with, again, I, I reverse engineer. Yeah. Why, do you want to Im- why does somebody want to implement payment plans? Typically, it's about making dentistry more affordable and making it so patients say yes to more dentistry. Right. Okay. You know, what I don't think payment plans are good for is to suddenly to implement payment plans and not do more dentistry. Right. So all you're doing is making it worse for yourself. Okay. So the concept with payment plans has to come a change 
in your diagnostic mindset. In other words, you have to start presenting quadrant dentistry. You can't continue to present single tooth dentistry where you were getting acceptance before and now introduce payment plans. It's just, it's a step backwards, right. okay? Right. So it doesn't make sense. Number two, the question is, is just like any bank, okay? And ultimately when you do payment plans, you're becoming a bank to a certain degree, okay? Maybe you're not charging interest, maybe you're not having lending laws and stuff, but you're becoming a bank. So you've got to determine how big of a bank do you want to be? Do you want to be the mom and pop bank or do you want to be Bank of America? And what I mean by that, you have to set a lending limit, a total limit, lending limit. In other words, how much are you willing to lend out? Is it $5,000 and then you're done? Is it $20,000 and then you're done? Is it, hey, I've got a $100,000 reserve that I can lend out? And I'm not talking about per patient. I'm talking about overall, like how much overall as a bank or as a lender can I give out to my patients? Okay. So we got to establish that number. When I started, the number was Mm $10,000. So in other words, I was willing to risk $10,000 overall to see if this process worked. Okay. Then the second thing we have to do is we have to figure out our individual patient limits. Okay. Not just how much on the top end, but also how much on the bottom end. In other words, I'm not trying to attract patients that need $15 payment plans. It just just doesn't make any sense. So a point where that payment plan kicks in. That's correct. So in other words, you know, for our office, it's $300 is where that payment plan kicks in. So in other words, $50 a month, basically, right? So six months times 50 bucks is $300 a month. Uh, Sorry, $300. So that's our low end. So anything below $300, we expect patients to pay at the time of service. Right. Okay. So our low end is $300. Now our high end, okay, is in other words, how much am I willing to extend you? individually if my overall is 10 grand i can't give 10 grand to one person that's nuts yeah right (laughs) defeats the purpose it does right Right. well it also is too risky right okay uh so so maybe it's going to be two thousand dollars or maybe it's fifteen hundred dollars okay and that's not a bad place to start maybe it's a thousand dollars so you have up to 10 people you know that you could lend out that to so you mitigate or you lower your risk so you got to determine your bottom bottom end and your top end number okay and so my recommendations when people are starting out is 500 sorry 300 to 1500 dollars is your range where your where you become the where you're able to be the bank okay mm-hmm. the next aspect of this is how long are you willing to be the bank on an individual basis and are you willing to be the bank for 1 month which doesn't make sense. Yeah. Are you willing to be the bank for 12 months, which is, to me, right. quite frankly, a little bit mm-hmm. risky, okay? Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is is that you're willing to be the bank for three months and six months, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and that pretty much covers the time of length. Now, some other couple of rules that you got to have in place. It's, it's got to be automated. In other words, we, we don't want to be taking on risk and creating work, work for, for our team members, yeah. right? So it's got to be automated. So the easiest way to do that is to do a credit card on file, Uh, Use your recurring payment system from your credit card uh, processing company. You swipe the card. They store the information. You don't write cards down and store it in your office. They store the information, and they automatically run it on the set date per month, and it runs, okay? So you got you got to have that in place, okay? Uh, Another aspect that I tell, that I I teach on is that you got to have a down payment, Okay. The down payment can't be zero. At least in my opinion, it can't be zero. So what I recommend is that if you're going to be the bank, you need to minimize your 
exposure, your yeah. risk. Okay. So for me, what I recommend is on your three month plans, I recommend a 25% down payment. So basically it works out to four equal payments, your down payment plus three more months of payment. So 25%. So it makes logical sense that if you're extending that credit over a longer period of time, you should ask for a bigger down payment. Right. So in that case, on a six month plan, I recommend a 33% down payment. So again, Hey, Meredith, I'll give you more credit. I'll give you, I'll let you pay it off over more time. But to do that, I need a little bit more money from you up front. Okay. So, and then a common question I get from people is, well, what happens if my patient doesn't have that? Well, then don't do the dentistry, you know, because you, you can't, you can't give away the farm. You can't, I can't take MetLife insurance and I can't have a zero down payment and I can't extend it out over too long period of time. You know, it, it's got to have rules. I'm not trying to compete with care credit right. or, or proceed finance or green sky or any of these companies. I'm not trying to compete with them. I'm trying to be an alternative to them in a very limited way. Right. So that's what I would tell somebody is you got to st- establish an overall limit. You got to establish patient specific do- bottom line and top line numbers, how long you're willing to do it. Uh, and then uh, what kind of down payment that you must have. Uh, and another fine point I want to make um, is that the way we teach firm financial arrangements or with payment plans is that the financial arrangements have to be made before you make the appointment. I was just going to say a pro tip. <laughs> yeah, so you got to make yeah. it before you make the appointment. So in other words, you can't come in for the treatment, me do the treatment, and now we're making financial arrangements. It just doesn't work right. that way. Again, it defeats the purpose. Yeah. So we, we got to do it logically. So if we follow all these rules, we mitigate so much of the risk. Right. And especially if you're an insurance-based practice where yeah. you're taking PPOs and really you're only economically find, you know, payment planning uh, or banking just the patient portion, you're, not, you're, you're really minimizing yeah. your risks there. And just stop scheduling until you've set it up. Right. Yeah, just tell then, patients, oh, we'll be happy to schedule you as soon as we get this yep. set up. Right. Well, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. No problem. The day, when you figure out what you want to do, we'll yeah. go ahead and schedule the appointment. <laughs> okay, so that just went over the process of setting up payment plans in our offices uh, and what the pitfalls were and how we were doing it in our office, for yeah. example. I think we can do one more question. Okay. So this is an anonymous question. I love anonymous. <laughs> I love, oh, God knows what's going to happen with anonymous questions. Okay. So... Mm. You talk a lot about associates to give you the time to pivot your practice. My practice doesn't have the space for an associate and or I'm not ready for an associate. Is this all built around having an associate? It's a great question. A lot to unpack there. Yes. People have wanted me to give seminars and answers, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is fine. Uh, so I wish I knew who I was talking to, so I'm going to call it Dr. Anonymous. <laughs> okay. Um, Dr. Anonymous, um, it's a great question. The pivot, the practice pivot starts before you have the associate. Okay, but it doesn't take full effect until you have an associate. And here's why. Because you've got to prove the concept as the owner, senior doc. You've got to prove the concept. And where it started for me was I started carving out half days, half days of ideal schedule, half days dedicated. For me, it started with sedation. We started out having a morning dedicated to sedation, and we made it to where that's all we would do. And if we had no patients there, we wouldn't do anything. And when you create a rule like that, people have a tendency to find a way to fill it right. with what you need it to Would be. Would you like to do sedation? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and it gave the team members a not an out to say, well, it was empty. I said, no problem, just leave it empty. Okay, And, and nobody wants to have an empty schedule right. because 
when we have wants to hear about having because I usually that means yeah. I start hawking around right. the office yeah. right so so that's that's the first thing so you start the practice pivot yourself by scheduling out or blocking out chunks of time dedicated to certain procedures or certain types of procedures but you got to have the discipline to not put something else in that spot okay then then over time you start bringing in the associate now i've gotten i've already got an excuse in the question which is i don't have a place big enough for an associate i will tell you that all you need is four operatories to make this work okay i'm not saying it's not tight in that situation but it's possible so with four operatories i would have one doctor operatory, two hygiene operatories, and another doctor operatory. Okay, and in four operatories, you can start the practice pivot. And then what you can do is you can prove the concept and then build a bigger facility, add another chair, whatever it may be. Because conceptually, the practice pivot is built around the dentist, the main dentist, having a single column that they work out of. In other words, they're doing procedures that generate higher amounts of revenue that don't require this dovetail concept of going back and forth, or worst case, having two columns that you work side by side. It's just not a great way to practice. So so you, you can do that. The other option, the other alternative or another wrinkle in not having enough space is hours. You know, most offices open eight to five or nine to five or seven to four. Open longer hours. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with being open six to seven, right. you know, because what we'll tell you from our experience yeah. is that those early morning appointments are awesome. People love it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't like coming in at 7 a.m., but I have to and right. I do it yeah. because I want to prove the concept. I want to if I want to get somewhere, I've got to put the time and effort in of doing things that are uncomfortable. So I don't buy that people are facility bound to get something done from going from one to one and a half. And again, I'm not saying you, as a four-operatory office, if that's what Dr. Anonymous has, um, would be bringing in a full-time person. Right. It could be bringing Start in a part-time with, person. Right. And that way, when you have your ideal day, like you're doing your sedation morning or your implant morning, then that person, because you only need one operatory, that person can be continuing to do the general dentistry in the other doctor column. So, you know, I believe it can be done because I started with four operatories on Windchime Court. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, we moved over to the new office, ready for the associate. Then 2008 happened, and we got, we got pushed behind a few years. And, and then we picked right back up. So uh, I just don't buy that uh, as being the excuse or a factor. There's ways to get creative to make things happen. Okay, so T-Bone answers um, all about this practice pivot and not having space for an associate or not being ready for an associate yet. Oh, I didn't answer. Let's, let's talk about being ready for an associate. Okay. You know, um, how do you know if you're ready for an associate? You start scheduling out. You start blocking your schedule. Yeah. You know, you start pushing things out. In other words, you start saying, and I don't necessarily want people to go to this extreme, but you start saying, I'll do one filling per day. Right? Maybe it's I'll do three fillings per day. I'll do two crowns per day. I'll, I'll start blocking my schedule out. And as you start seeing that you're starting to push people out farther and farther, you need an associate to take on those procedures. Right. And that, that's how you determine whether or not you're ready for an associate. And I believe the number, gen, a broad generalization, is when offices hit about nine, $850,000, $900,000, they're ready for a part-time associate. When they hit about $1.1 million, they're absolutely, they need an associate, uh, almost full-time at that point in time. So, so that's how I define when an office is ready for an associate. 
So remember, these questions are all coming from you guys. You can go to www.asktbone.com and we will answer your questions in the next episode. Don't forget, send in those questions, no matter how silly or inappropriate they are. I love getting the questions. Thanks, everyone. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years, I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists, driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.